Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Jesus, in the midst of what you're trying to do right now, you've never failed us yet. And I thank you for that. I thank you how you're just continuing to move people from here to there and allow them to experience love. A love that changes everything. God, you're just trying to build something and we trust you with that. We trust you with what you're building in us. I just ask that we're obedient enough to move. And then we get to do it again. And again and again and again. And we, at the end of the day, we just, at the end of our time, we just reflect back and say, wow, look what you've done, God. And we hear those words in heaven. Well done my good and faithful servant. So Jesus, this morning, we thank you for this time and what you're about to do. I pray over the word that it's clear and it pricks the hearts of those who hear. Jesus, in your name, amen. Amen. Give it up for those guys. That's awesome stuff right there. So if you're new with us, we kicked off a, a fall message series last week and it was, you know, it was this phrase that most Christians recognize and And it sounds a whole lot like, what would Jesus do? Uh, But it's not, you know, it's it's not that. And so... what, what, for most people, you know, we've, we've seen it, we've, we've probably bought one or time or two, but maybe the bracelet, you know, uh, the shirts, the mugs, the coffee mugs, even the bumper stickers of what would Jesus do, right? And so, but this series is not about WWJD, right? It's not about WWJD. It's actually what would Jesus undo? And what would Jesus undo? And what are the things that break the heart of Jesus? What, what created tension in his life that caused him to say, no, enough, I'm sick and tired of this. You know, what, what would he do? What would he undo? And we talked about the ideas last week about like religion. You know, a lot of people are like, yeah, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with it, right? What if, what if this other word, and I'm not bashing churches when we say this because it's a category we actually have to feel, you know, be a part of in our communities and the culture that we live in, and it's actually denominations, right? We have such starch denominational lines and we can't even get across the aisle and have a great conversation about Jesus because we're so worried about whether it's a sprinkle or it's a dunk, or it's an oil. I mean, it, we, we, we really go down the road of, of, of bashing one another, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a shame in the eyes. I think it breaks the hearts of God. But what we honed in on last week was, was this idea of Jesus for us in our undoing moment last week was, was spiritual indifference, spiritual indifference, because indifference doesn't just break the heart of Jesus. It, it makes him want to what? It makes him want to vomit out of his mouth, like if there's no difference between you, if you're a Christ follower this, this morning, you, you, got some, you, know, you got some things to consider. But if you're not, you're okay. I don't want to go where you're going, but you're, you're okay. But the truth be told, it's, it's, you got to look inwardly and you got to think about it. If, if there's no indifference with, with what you say and do and live and how you walk and play and live with others, then something's wrong. Someone should be able to look inward your life and say, you know, they're a Christ follower. 
You can just clearly see it. It's, it's, it's all over them. And somebody shouldn't, you know, be asking you or you, when you reveal it to them, you're a Christ follower. They shouldn't be shocked. It shouldn't come to a surprise. You're like, ah, oh, I knew there was something different about you. I thought that's what it was, but I just didn't know. I wanted to ask. You see, on occasion over the past 10 years, though, if you think about it just for me and in my life, uh, we've, we, have, we have four kids, and let's just say things get a little crazy in our lives, right? And so sometimes those moments are, are for us. We, we, we do have some moments that, let's just be honest, it, it, it does affect us all. Even though with, we have the most utmost attention, sometimes we forget things along the way. Um, let's just say, we, you know, in the morning times, the hours there getting things out the door, even though we're the most, we're, 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 we're dysfunctional, let's just be honest. You know, uh, you know, so we got backpacks lined up, we got, you know, everything just ready to roll, but some kids just don't make it out the door with their backpack and they're running, you know, they're already halfway there to school and and I don't understand this one, but, you know, my son, the youngest son, he doesn't know how to get shoes to the car or even, I don't know how you forget shoes, but, you know, it happens. And then he gets there and like, where's the shoes? And we don't know. And, and I have to go running. Maybe it's an event, you know, somebody has invited us to, and we just totally forgot because of all the little other little circle dots that we have filled in on our, our thing. And maybe it's a party or maybe we have forgotten a kid or time or two at a party. Just saying it could happen. Don't know. You got four, you're just lucky to get three in the car. Come on, just being honest. Um, and, and let's just say, you know, just to be really looking in, where two of those kids are still in counseling to overcome that time they got left in Walmart. Not saying who did it, I didn't do it, but let's just say, you know, it was those moments of clarity. Sometimes, though, we're in such a hurry that we forget things like we're going to the store to get a birthday present and we, and we have to figure something out on the fly and we pull out this old idea that I think is an amazing one, but, you know, it's called the re gift. Present. Anybody? Yeah, okay. So at least think you're honest. You know, uh, when, you, when, when you do that with a kid's toy and, and you go to the party and it's all wrapped up and it's ready to roll and then all of a sudden the kid opens the gift and, and then your kid is the first one that notices it. Hey, that's my toy, right? And you're like, no, it's not yours. It's at home. Well, trust me, I'm telling you, it really is. You know, and you know, you can't, you, no, look, it's got my name on the bottom of it. No, it's not. See, it's always, Maximus is a common name. Look, go watch Toy Story. You know, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's those things, right? You know, and it's just like, it just gets awkward real quick. And, 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 and then the next thing you know, you, you do some things, it's, well, it's, it's just, it just looks really weird and it looks I don't know. It looks like you don't have it all together whatsoever. Welcome to our world. One time I can remember even wrapping up a card much like this. And, and you know, we all signed it. We all did everything, you know, and you, we, you know, every, everybody had everything, you know, to go. And we were really excited to give it to that person. And they, they opened it up. And it even had a phrase in there about what they were about to get. And, and then, you know, you, you get so going so wide open. The next thing you know, they opened the card and there's nothing in it. There wasn't a gift card like they said there was. Enjoy the time up there in Lexington. You know, there, there was, it was just that awkwardness. Like, they're looking for it, but it's like you, you're just smiling and boasting. Like, oh, they're going to be so happy with this gift card. You know, and then, you know, you're supposed to put some money. And we just totally botched it. We, we bombed it. We just totally forgot. Am I the only person that does that? Y'all looking at me like I am, like, horrible. But, yeah, it's, thank you. <laughs> But it happens in the midst of running around and that package might be all wrapped up and it, and it might look amazing, but there was, there was really, there was some thought behind it. 
but the card made it to the party, and, 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 but there was nothing inside of it. It was just a hollow, empty card with just a few simple words that any, anybody could have wrote. What if this morning, I told you I was going to push some buttons. What if the songs that we sing, the sermons that we preach, and the acts of service that we do are often empty gifts to God? What if our lives are wrapped up with these spiritual images on the outside, but sometimes on the inside, because of our hearts are far from God, we're actually offering to God an empty gift? What would Jesus undo? I think Jesus would undo what today we can call hallow worship or, or empty worship or, or, or what Jesus calls worship in vain and, and what turns the heart of God and what he gets upset about or what he would want to undo. What, what, what is it that upsets Jesus? I believe it's, it's hallow worship. I really do believe it. There's nothing greater than worshiping God in, in your car. A couple of weeks ago, you know, I mentioned a story about my sons and, and daughters were singing. I saw the light in the midst of that whole moment. My son burst out in rhythm, in line of I saw the light, sweet home Alabama, all right? And, 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 you know, and to me, it just made sense. I went roll tide and just kept on going. Didn't miss a beat. You know, we're just worshiping and it was fun. It was exciting. Worship can happen anywhere. But yet sometimes we, we refer to it and, and we try to contain it inside a box just like this. You see, I think sometimes we try to put God into a box. And I think one of the things that, that Jesus would undo today is what hallow worship looks like, especially in what we consider what, where we go to worship. And if you brought your Bible, if you're taking notes, head on over to Matthew chapter 15. And, and let's lean into what Jesus really says about some of this. He's, he's talking to some Pharisees, and, and he's asking some questions, and, and they're asking questions. And this conversation literally goes back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden, Jesus just throws down a gauntlet, and he allows us to understand where he's at and where he stands on this. Just some very religious people in the day and time. And, and those religious people are actually called Pharisees. And, and, and then there's Jesus. And in the midst of this, in Matthew 15, it says this. It says, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break, here it is, the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, you know, like I said earlier, you know, if some of those Pharisees would have shown up to our house <laughs> and saw the way some of our times around the dinner table go and how we eat, uh, they would have, they, they might, that might have, could have been a fair question, let's just be honest. Uh, but they were talking to Jesus, y'all, and, and this is what we need to know about these guys. They were obsessed, they were obsessed with something called ceremonial cleanliness. And it, 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 if you like to be clean, you know, anybody, anybody, okay, uh, it, you know, or you like Germax, does anybody, some people just walk around with, and now they got all the, the frivolous, smelly stuff from Bath and Body Works and all that other stuff, and it just flares my nose up, man. But it, this is this is not like a physical hygiene cleanliness. It's it's not even physical cleanliness. It's it's, it's like some of you, you know, some of you like to be clean and take showers a couple times a day. Okay, come on. Here's a better way. Think about this one. Maybe some of you like to go take a shower immediately after going to a restaurant, especially Mexican food. You know, all that stuff just sort of gets on you, and you just gotta get it off. Or maybe it's a pub or a coffee house or something else. You just gotta get that stench off, right? Or, or maybe you just you walk outside and you're like. 
like, I got to go back inside, you know, wash this off. It, it just, poof, right? All right, we're not talking about any of that. That's just, that's just straight up, you want to be clean and you want to smell good. This is, this is ceremonial cleanliness. And, and, and why they were so devoted about this? Because these Jews believed that they were, they were two categories of everything. They were, everything was either clean or everything was unclean. And animals are clean, and, and then they're clean animals. And then they're unclean animals, and they were unclean. And there's clean ways to prepare your food, and there were unclean ways to prepare your food. There are things that you touch that are clean, and, and then there are things that are unclean. And the problem with this idea is when you're unclean, uncleanliness was contagious. Like, it's crazy how this works. You, you could actually give it to somebody else. Think about this. Um, the only way I knew how to describe this was if you consider this old elementary game um, called Cooties. Did anybody? Yeah. Yeah, see, we got some hand raisers, right? Cooties, right? You know, dot, dot, line, line, cross this. I got my cootie shot, right? And you're good. No one can touch you the rest of the day. Now, you like, you, I did that last week, by the way. You know, you know, uh, you, you, no one can touch you the rest of the day. You know, you got your cootie shot. And, 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 but you could give them away, right? It, it's, it's. It's, it's like that. If you were unclean, you could actually transfer them over to someone else. Anything you touch that was not clean, you touch and someone else touched it, guess what? They're unclean. It's almost like that virus that just goes on and on and on and never ends. There's no way around it. But for the Jews in their mindset, you were not fit for worship if you were unclean. So when you're unclean, you had to go through this elaborate, elaborate, elaborate ceremony to cleanse yourself spiritually so you were eligible to worship God. You had to do this crazy amount of things that took place with water known as a quarter of a log. Now, this is true. It really is. You had to do this little practice. How much water was a quarter of a log? Well, the only way I know how to describe it is, is, is think of a quarter of a log as, as, as much water to fit in an eggshell, you know, a small egg, and, and maybe a half. So, you know, something like that, just two, two eggs, basically, what we got to deal with. And then you would have to take your hands and, and not palms up, but palms down like this, and someone else would pour this water over your hands so you could wash your hands like this, but the water, thus cleansing your hands, but the water that cleans you and touch your unclean hands, then the water becomes unclean, so you had to have your hands like this so the water would actually drop off and go straight to the ground, not to make any other part of your body unclean, because then if the unclean water rolls down your arms like this, guess what becomes unclean? Your body. I mean, it's just that crazy because this is what they believed. It was ceremonial, unclean. And everything out there you touched was unclean, it seems like. In college, I thought about sharing this or not, but this, it, it fits, all right? In college, I got to experience this in some way because I grew up in a bubble. I grew up in a city, man. And, and, and you know, you had a couple of faiths, right? You didn't have very many. But in college, you've got to, you know, you're on a dormitory and you're, you're, you're in a, a community shower. If you don't know what those things are, eventually you will if you go to college. You know, it's just a moments of clarity. You walk in, there's like 10 of the guys and you're showering and you're wondering now where this is going. Um, so I'll be very careful with this one. Um, first, there's some weird things that take place on male dormitories and showers. But it, it, the other one, um, but what took place, there was a guy of a different faith. And, uh, and, and he, he really couldn't take a shower with another guy. And so his whole idea, he would walk in there one day, 
you know, he shared this with us. And, you know, me being the, the bright student um, said, I got a great practical joke. And if you don't know me by now, I love good old practical jokes. And let's just say this. I had lined up at least 10 to 12 guys to participate in my practical joke that day. And the whole idea was wait for him to go into the shower. And as he goes in, we walk in there right behind him, and he's already started his ritual of ceremonial cleanliness, right? We walk in right behind him, and we say, hey, man, what's up, dude? Give him a high five. Man, this messes everything up because he's got to walk back out, dry his body off, and then clean it all over again and do it all over again. He's got to wait for you to leave. Well, then the next guy, right down the line, we high five the next guy. He walks in, does it. Hey, what's up, man? This went on for over an hour and a half. And finally, this guy goes, I am sick of my religion, and walks out. I was like, yeah, that's how we get him. I tell him, come on down to the BSU, man. Let's go. You know, it was so fun. It was so fun. I know, I'm going to hell. I'm sorry. But, but this is the closest I got to it. This is what I, I experienced. I was just like, man, this is crazy. Why would anybody do this? And I thought to myself, I was like, sometimes we even do it. Sometimes even though we think we got the, you know, our heart right and it's not clean, it's just... Wait a minute, and I started thinking about it. If you, if you want to follow God, you, you had to clean your hands this way, and the water would fall off again. Think about it back then in the day for those Jews. And then you had to rub your hands together, and you would do this to, just to get cleansed, to go worship God. And a devout Jew, a devout one, someone who's fully devoted, would not only do this before their meal, but they would do this literally between the salad, the main course, soup, you know, dessert, even the after party. They would do it between everything, every course, every piece, they would do it. You see, the Pharisees were asking Jesus, why don't your followers, why don't your followers do this? And Jesus unleashes on them like Jesus can. He says, you're not even treating people with respect. And you ask me a question like this? You're not even showing love to one another, the law that you follow the Mosaic law, you're not even following. Your hearts aren't even connected with God. And yet you're obsessed with all these external things when internally you are so far from being right with God. Now, I've mentioned this story before, but I remember clearly in college, I was working on a guy and discipling and just loving and being a part of his life and intimately watching him grow. And I invited him to a church and the next thing you know, I got, meet, I got met at the front door of the church, and, and the words that came out of that dude's mouth, I will never, ever forget. My friend, you know, far from God, didn't have the best of clothes. Let's just say the best shirt he had was a, was a, a polo shirt that probably was, had more stench of a bar in it than anything, and, and leftover cigarette smoke from the places that he's been. And his jeans were kind of tattered. It just, it just was what it was. He wore flip-flops too, by the way. And as he walked up the front door, I met him, and I, and I, and I knew he was coming, so I, I, I had dressed down that day, and I had wore some blue jeans, and, and I put on a polo shirt, and I didn't know he was going to wear his, his, his Brockenstock shoes that day, otherwise I would have, I, but I dressed up and had some other shoes on. But the, the, the haunting words I never will forget from the guy that met me at the front door with him, is that the best you got, son? Is, is that the best clothes you got, son? Jason, you look, what's, what, what's the matter? You, you, you dress differently. Is that the best you got today? Needless to say, it got my attention, but guess who it got the, the full undivided attention? He never came back. 
He was done at that moment. And I was young in my faith, and I didn't know what to say back. I just, (laughs) I thought it was a joke. But this is exactly what Jesus is targeting. This is exactly what Jesus is going after. You see, there's, there's locations around here that, that, that literally focus on what you look like, how clean you are. I think it's interesting that Jesus, churches say it this way, change, then you can come in. But Jesus says, come on in, then you'll change. He targets these guys in Matthew. If you skip on down in Matthew 15, 7 through 9, he really just, he calls them what they are. And he flat out calls it this word. He says, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Now, I don't know if you've ever wanted to be a fly on in the room, but man, this would have been one of the moments that I would have probably loved to have watched. Jesus literally going after someone's heart and showing them they're, they are so far off base. They are so far off centered. They have nothing, nothing to build on here. And you know, Jesus flat out calls the ace the ace in this moment. And he said, their worship isn't pleasing to me. Uh, on the outside, it looks like worship. But because on the inside, it's not right, it's simply an empty gift. It's hollow worship. It's worship that doesn't touch my heart. It's worship that is in vain. What would Jesus undo? He would undo the show on the outside. You, your hypocritical expression. A pretend faith. Hey, everybody, I went to church this morning because I posted on Facebook. I just want to let you know, here's my checkbox for the week. I'm, I, you know, I'm a kind of a Christian where I can walk this way today and I can do X, Y, Z. But hey, guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going to do something far from God. When on the inside, your heart is so far from truly worshiping God or knowing God. You hypocrite. You see, I've been thinking about this this whole week. And as much as it hurts... To say it, I, I think the church in a whole, especially where we live, the, the North American church, Christ followers in general, I would say to this to us as our church, we have a huge, a lot, an enormous amount of potential to grow in our heartfelt expression of worship to God. I grew up in a Baptist church, and that's the point where you might go, mmm, or amen. Just saying. If you're a little bit of the holiness of Pentecostal, come on. There we go. We got one in the house. Thank God. Praise God for Pentecostals. This is one of the greatest areas of potentially spiritual growth that all of us have. You and me and all of us together, but sometimes we often just present an empty gift when we engage the, the person who literally breathed life into existence. And the best we got is to sit on our butts and cross our arms and just nod along with the beat of the music. Now I know some days are not all good days, but if those equal out all of your days, something's wrong. 
Because the Bible that I read and the, the man upstairs that breathes life into me says, if you're going to be following me, you're going to be full of the Spirit. And it says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control, all these, man, but the greater of this is love. And when it comes out, it's going to be full-blown, and the person beside you is going to get to know some. I mean, you're just being real. They're going to think you're weird or a fruitcake like me, and it just happens. No, I, I, I'm okay with that. At this point in my life, I'm okay with that. I'm raising four little fruitcakes. Haven't figured out what the last one is yet, but we're going to figure that out. I think we got some room to grow in this. And with the rest of the time, I just want to spend a few minutes here thinking about this to hopefully change what you care about as you, before we leave today. But when I say this word, when, when I say this, this, this word right here, you know, I'm curious what you, what you think about. What, what do you think about when you, when you say that word? What, what do you think about? A lot of people, they, 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 they just, they engage this idea of worship. And, and this, we, when we talk about worship, what most people immediately think about is, is honestly this one. Is it, a, is it this? Oops. Is it, is it this? Yeah, it is upside down some days. Is it this? Or is it this? Especially where we live. Come on, you know you've had conversations about coming to the loft, and they're like, well, what kind of worship they got? They worship Jesus. Does it matter? Well, yeah, it does. I need an organ. You need an organ? Okay, I'll, I'll go get you my little kazoo. You know, I, I just find it interesting that they, they're so focused on these things. And, and then the next thing, I've always, I found it interesting that, that they, they really go after, you know, okay, do, do, do they go this way? Or do they go this way? Because it matters to God. You know that, right? It really does matter. I, t- I don't know about that one. I, I just, I, I don't know. And I don't think it, it's interesting. And then, then we get into the old time focus. Is it, is, it, is it more of this? Or is it more of this? And by the way, if you don't know anything about the Bible, you ain't gonna find these two words in the Bible. So why do we make them up in the first place? Let me just push my button for a second. Um, the, as much as we are this word, as soon as we do it two times, guess what? Just saying, right? I would love to have that conversation with God one day when I see him. Like, you know, it's funny. We've done it a month. Guess what? We're traditional. People are like, y'all ain't traditional. Yeah, we are. We do the same thing all the time. It's just that it is. And then it's like, no, you're more, no. Just saying, right? It's interesting. Can I get you to think of just a moment? What do you think of when you come to worship? When you use the word? What do you say? Think about it. As soon as you, as soon as you do uh, a, a service more than once, it becomes a what? Tradition. And, and the funny thing is, is, is we lock it up into this. We try to contain what worship looks like into a checkbox just for the week. And then we'll do this. We'll put the box lid back on it because we're afraid of what could happen if it oh, affects my life. That's Sunday. Woo-hoo. Good. Whoop. 
And then we'll get gravity, we'll, gravity just pulls it back in through the week. And the next thing you know, we'll pick it up on Sunday. Oh, I, that's where I left that at. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot my Bible there. Oh, I, but I kept it on my seat. I kept it on my pew. I think it's interesting. Maybe we think about the environment. And some days we say worship needs to be more reverent and holy environment. When someone else would say it's, it's not worship unless there's lights, there's haze, there's everything else, people going up and jumping up and down. Let me just say it this way. I, I struggle with people that classify worship in different ways and forms and fashions and, uh, and, and you know, some people even jump up and down, and I can't even understand the words that are coming out of their mouth, like demon hunters. But hey, if they're worshiping God, they give them that talent, I'm going to go with them. I don't know what happens, but I'm going to hang out with them. And I'm going to hang out with the people that, that are doing these little handbells. I don't understand it, but I'll go with you. As a matter of fact, I, I'll even play the kazoo for God if it's authentic. And I mean, we serve a joyful God and we should express with him in a great passion in all things. And I don't care if you're running up and down the aisles with a flag or if you're sitting on your butt, whatever it takes, if it's with the heart, I think it's good. So I ask you, let's just, let's just break it down real quickly. We're gonna run out of time here. Which one is right? I'm gonna give you two examples. Maybe today, for some of you, this, this is your first time up here in the loft, and you came with a friend, and this is totally freaking you out. Sorry, come back next week. Um, but because the only thing that you know is something more liturgical, way of doing worship in a church, hymns, guy, big robe, you know, yada, yada, yada. For others, maybe you're used to a small-town country worship service where everybody knows everybody. Or maybe you're from a different location around the world and the styles, styles of worship, man, they're just different. They're vastly different. Styles are so different. Even what we are allowed to wear in some of those places are different. Quick question just by a show of hands. How, how, many, how many of you have ever been to a place where their worship gathering or service was very different style than what you've experienced this morning already? You see, just look around. Worship styles are different. You see, growing up, I, 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 in a different style of an environment, I, 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 the pastor was always sitting up front on this big throne chair. It's kind of weird. Along with the ministry music in a smaller throne chair. And then we sang songs from this hymn book that, you know, is had dedicated by, you know. Uh, the, the choir sang some songs, and, and we, we sat in these big, huge, long things. Some had cushions on them. Some didn't. They were called pews around with booze. You know, it was just really weird. Uh, but, you know, it, it, was, it was always up and down motion, constantly up, up, and down, up, sit down, up, down. And I, some days you didn't know what was up. It was funny to watch, the, you know, the ministry music walk out and then people just stand up and then you really didn't have to stand up. Oh, no, you may sit down to that. Um, you know, I saw it happen often, you know. I, I, I'm just venting a little bit. But then all of a sudden there were six, six men who would walk down, you know, and they would get these huge, big, huge plates, right, this maybe gold or silver, maybe wood, um, and then they would pass them around and people would just collect some money and just kind of weird. And then the pastor would preach about 30 minutes, maybe on a good day, 35. He might get an amen from the youth pastor on the front row, just saying, uh, nobody else. And then we would sing at the very end, never failed. They would sing this thing called, in the bulletin, it said this, a hymn of, anybody? Oh, you've been to a church like that. A hymn of invitation, yeah, that's right. And they would always sing verse one, verse two, and why they skip number three? 
Does anybody know this theology? Verse 3 sometimes is the most amazing verse, and they skip it. I'm like, what weirdness is this? One, two, four. And if God moves, we'll go back to three. Shouldn't you be expecting him to move? I'm just saying, all right, I'm preaching now. So then I went to college, all right? I went to college, and I was able to get, get out and explore some different types of worship. And I went on one night with my friend. His name was Kevin, and he invited me out on Highway 25, man, going towards Lexington, this little church on the left. And, and it was, you know, it's just a little bit more vibrant. I'm going to use that word, vibrant, than I was used to. Um, they were jamming on the way in. And, uh, and they, they were actually moving a little bit more than I was used to. There were no pews. There was only chairs. Uh, and, then, and then as soon as the music started, those people started running up and down those aisles. I thought there was a fire. I, I didn't know what was going on. And I'm just like, I'm trying to absorb it. My mom and dad kept me in a little bubble. I mean, I, I was fully exposed to this stuff. I was like, what is going on, Kevin? He said, this is great. Braces all in Kevin's face. I'll never forget that, you know. And, he, and then all of a sudden they do something that's just crazy to me. They, they, they go up and they start passing out these bags. And I'm like, what is up with these bags? He said, oh, that's the offering. Who takes an offering in a bag, man? I, what's, where's the plate? And then women just start jumping up and down with their hands, waving their little white silks. What, what's going on, you know? And, and, and I, I thought she had a question to the pastor. You know, I, I, I'm just being honest, okay? But then she said something that I will never, ever forget because she was about two rows in front of me. And it sounded like I should have bought a Honda. I should have bought a Honda. I should have bought a Honda. <laughs> and I didn't know what was going on, but I knew at that moment we were all speaking in tongues because I didn't know what she was saying. And I didn't know what I was about to say. <laughs> This went on for over 30 minutes or so. Finally, the pastor got up and started preaching, and man, everybody was yelling, hooping, hollering, praise God, hallelujah. I mean, come on, bring it on, let's do it again. And, and then I remember the one guy said, do it again, do it again. Like, and then he kept on preaching. And said, didn't you hear it? I heard it. Did you not hear it? Did you hear it? He just kept on saying the same thing over for 10 minutes. I was like, move on. I'm telling you all this because I'm being serious about it, but it's funny, isn't it? If I'm honest, I didn't I'd never seen this before, but it, it did not bother me as long as they did not pull out a box with snakes in it. I'm just being honest. I was good. If they had bought something like this, I was out. But during college, my life, my life got fully exposed to so many different forms of worship. And since then, I've seen worship in Russia. I've seen worship in Russia where they go for six hours. You think I speak long? That ain't nothing. And then they go to a riverside and they, and they just start having baptismal parties in freezing cold water, 40 some odd degrees. And they lasted another six hours. I mean, it was an all day event. I've seen in Central America where they don't do worship unless they have two subs with about 18 inches worth of bass power. And it is thumping. I mean, it, you get everybody's attention in Central America. And it's pushing over 100 decimals. I mean, I've seen worship from liturgical styles in Malta. And I've seen less formal styles in Toronto, Canada. I've seen much, way less formal styles over in Europe in bars where they have worship there. I've seen worship in lofts like ours. And we can talk about the full out blown gospel church that's just rocking it out. And we can talk about the charismatic church that's just fully experiencing God. 
And we can talk about so many things about worship. But after reading this week and diving in and studying it up on this, I found out there was one way to worship God. And you want to take a guess which way it is? There, there is. It's, it's in the Bible. With so many different ways, which way is best? And for the sake of time, let me just narrow it down to these two examples. Let's just use it. There's either the traditional service over here who uses the same bulletin from the same format, same time since the beginning of Adam and Eve. Okay, we can go that way. All right? If you move it, you're going to hell. And so, you know what I'm talking about. And then, and then on the flip side, we'll just talk about the old charismatic services. Man, anything goes. We're just experiencing God. We're here to experience God. Traditional, charismatic, contemporary. You know, this, does anybody want to take a guess which one's right? Yes. And at the same way, which one's wrong? You with me? You see, the answer is both are right before God. Or catch this, neither are right before God. If the heart, if the heart's not right. You see, Jesus, he didn't care really what that box looks like because he, he doesn't fit in that box. He really wants this. He really wants this, and he wants to see what you can do with it and, 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 and allow him to start to change your life. The answer is both are right and catch this, neither are right before God if the heart's not right. Both uh, or any expression of, of our worship honors God when the heart is connected to who he is. They honor me with their lips, but Jesus said, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain. You see, my prayer is that we have to understand that true worship that touches the heart of God is not about the style of music but it's a reflection of the condition of the heart. Worship isn't about the style of music. It's the condition of your heart. I want you to say that with me. It's the what? The condition of the heart. Come on, say it with me, church. It's the condition of heart. What would Jesus undo? I think he would undo hollow worship. We have to understand that Christianity is not a hobby for us. It's not an interest it's not a social media group. It's not a label. If we're a follower of Jesus, Christ is our life. Therefore, worship isn't just a song that we sing, but worship is the life that we live. I don't want you to miss that. Worship is the life that we live. And here's what I'm thinking as the worship team comes up and finishes strong with us this morning. It's in my opinion that the church, as we know it, we have some room to grow. And before we can go there, we have to build on love here. Before we can go there, we have to build on love here. To get there, we have to, to get it right here. And we've got a lot of potential to better express our love for the adoration to the creator and the savior of the world, whose name is Jesus, by the way. And how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we express our worship to God? the author and perfecter of our faith, when our hearts are right before him. You see, what I've learned is this. Sometimes it's okay to bow in reverence. Just bow. In Psalms 95, 6, it says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You see, kneeling is a reverent submission at the altar. You can make your own. You just got to say he is holy. In scripture, he does say this, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Do you believe it? 
Sometimes we gotta lift our hands in adoration. You know what's going on in here and you just, you hold them back, let them go. This is not a weird thing, it's a biblical thing. Paul, lift our holy hands and I will praise you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. Psalms 63, 4, David was in the wilderness and it was a sign of surrender and victory. He served God. Sometimes we got to dance in celebration. Now, this one I struggle with. I'm going to be honest, I'm white. But it says, let them praise his holy name with dancing. Psalms 149.3. It's going to freak some of my Baptist friends out. I was born Baptist. But I know I came out kicking you. That's my mama broke her tailbone. So that means I got it in me somewhere. Sometimes we got to worship with sacrifice of praise. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer our, to God a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15. Daily, daily we live. We live as an act of worship. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, a view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Romans 12, 1. Paul was on it, man. He was just bringing it up for everybody else to follow in soon when we, just, we, we put it into a box. Why? You see, worship, worship is not just about the songs we sing. It's about the life. It's about the life we live for the Father who created you, who breathed life into you, who started something new. And if love built this, if love really did build this, shouldn't we be about more about returning the love that, to the one who gave it to us in the first place? You know this verse. It's on, it'll be somewhere in some stadium around the world today. For God so loved the what? That he gave. Shouldn't we give something back to him through our worship? I don't think it's, I don't think it's that's asking that too much. And then when that happens, I know what happens next. You can't stop when that happens. Your heart just starts to drift towards him and you do things that you have never done before. You might even walk across the room and start praying for other people. You might even start having a little chicken leg going on. I don't know, but something's gonna happen because you can't stop when Jesus enters the heart. Everything changes. If it was not for Jesus, we would not be building anything, period. This whole thing, this whole, everything would just be emotion in life. And I don't want to be about emotion. I just want to be fully devoted. And I want to take other people along with me and just experience what it looks like to go all in. And see, hearts change. It's designed to be a devotion that changes lives. This is what you were created for. If you ever wonder, why am I here? Why did God allow my heart to beat today? This is it. This is the sum of God's purpose for your life, is to breathe in your lungs, is, is, is there to give glory to God that, that puts breath there, the beat in your heart. This is it. I, I'm, I'm living for an audience of one. I don't really care about the person beside me. I, don't, I want to take my wife with me, but if she's not there yet, that's okay. I'm going to get mine right and go after this. All I care about what he thinks. So when this goes from the song that we sing to a life that we live, it's, it's his life and me that changes everything. It's God in you. It becomes irresistible to people who are far from God. And you 
start to do things that you would never do alone. And so worship is not to an not not about an end. It's about a beginning. It's about a beginning point that the moment that you leave those doors right there, that God does something with your heart. So it builds and it multiplies and it changes a culture. So today we're gonna sing a couple songs. It's all about our heart. And I'm gonna give you space to do it. So I'm gonna let them sing some songs and we're just gonna watch what God does. You heard the word, it's your time to respond.